Hey lunatics, you're listening to Let the Meat Grass, a podcast exploring real food, broken ecosystems, and a better way to live. I'm Austin Williams, your farmer and podcast host. Before I began farming, I was a public school teacher who had grown up in the suburbs of St. Louis. And if you were like me, you had no idea what was real or who to trust when it came to our food. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance you've begun to doubt what huge food corporations are trying to sell you is as healthy as it's cracked up to be. And for good reason. I'm dedicating this show to you, the lunatics, the crazies, who have chosen to opt out, to stray beyond the safe and familiar confines of grocery store walls to support a farmer. And not just any farmer, but a farmer whose mission is to heal the land and nourish the people. You see, conventional farms are dying. We've been losing farmers for well over a century now. When 100% of us eat and only 1% of us farm, we have a math problem. Help me do the math by sticking around, listening closely, and voting with your forks to support real food. See you soon. Hey, Lunatics. I know this is the second sheep episode in so many weeks, but I've just really been on a sheep kick, so I hope you'll stick with me. Um, So for this episode, this word really gripped me and really became the basis for everything I'm going to be about to talk about. And it's a really big word, so get yourself ready for it. But that word is anthropomorphism. It's really complicated, just but and it sounds really technical, but it's it's really not. So just just hold on. Think Daffy the Duck, Mickey Mouse, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy as a more recent one. These all appear to be animals, but they act more like humans. So anthropomorphism sounds really technical, but it basically means assigning human attributes to animals. And we do this in cartoons all the time. Let me tell you a quick joke that does a really good job of capturing just how ludicrous it is. So one day, a tame horse named Earl went to the movie theater. He bought his ticket, stood in line for a bowl of popcorn, and quietly found a seat in the auditorium before the preview started. And at first, he really enjoyed sitting alone, but as always, the theater started to fill up. So a stallion came along, walked down the aisle directly in front of his, and sat directly in front of Earl's seat. The stallion had broad shoulders and this wide Stetson hat. And kids, if you don't know what Stetsons are, just think of a cowboy hat. His hat was actually so big, it prevented Earl from seeing the movie. The seats to the left and the right of him were taken, so Earl was trapped. He had to ask the stallion to take his hat off. And left with no other choice, he tapped his hoof politely on the shoulder of the stallion in front of him, and said almost in a whisper, Hey, sir, can you please take your hat off? I I can't see the movie. The stallion didn't flinch. His Stetson didn't so much as tremble. Now, only mildly annoyed, Earl tried again. With a little more emphasis this time, but still whispering, he tapped the stallion on the shoulder again. Sir, I can't see the movie. Your hat is in the way. No response. Earl didn't even get that annoyed wrist flick that flies get when they start to annoy you. Stone cold marble. Like this guy was chiseled by Michelangelo or something. 
Now, Earl was frustrated. He loudly cleared his throat, tapped the shoulder of the stallion in front of him, and without even trying to whisper, menaced, Sir, take off your hat. I can't see the movie. Finally, as if this was the first time that Earl had decided to say anything, the stallion flinched. He turned around in his seat. His Stetson outlined in Earl's view of the movie screen, and looked in utter astonishment at Earl. The stallion blurted out, Oh my gosh, it's a talking horse! If you didn't catch the punchline, let me help you out. Like all good jokes, it sets you up to expect one thing, but delivers you another. As you're expecting some clever retort from the offending horse, the joke's fourth wall is broken, and all of a sudden it becomes apparent just how ludicrous the imaginary world is in which this joke exists. Talking horses, going to movie theaters, and ordering popcorn. Pretty soon you consciously realize all the anthropomorphism that has been going on since the joke's first sentence. And the joke is really good at uncovering just how ridiculous it was in the first place. Obviously, horses never do these things because they aren't human, but as a society, we tend to assign lots of human attributes to animals. Just think of Rocket Raccoon's inferiority complex. Definitely not something your average or wild raccoon struggles with on a daily basis. And I'm about to engage in a little anthropomorphism myself. I just wanted to negotiate those waters with hopefully a little more nuance and challenge all you lunatics with a bold premise. Humans are like sheep. Whether or not you guys read the Bible, just know that it mentions a lot of animals. Lions, donkeys, horses, goats, and more. But no animal gets nearly close to the amount of mentions as sheep. The animals sheep, lamb, and ram rank as number one, two, and five of all animals mentioned in the Bible. Obviously, the Bible's authors are trying to tell us something. So, I watch my sheep every day. As their shepherd, I take my responsibility very seriously. And I know that it's not just enough to give them grass and leave. I watch them intently, and I try to watch them with an open heart. I say, God, what are you trying to tell me about myself and about the human condition? After caring for thousands of sheep over the past year, I have a pretty good idea about what makes a sheep tick. There's a certain nuance to shepherding that definitely gets lost if you simply try to search online. And believe me, I looked at what other people had to say comparing sheep to people, and I could smell suburbia from across the internet. And not hating on any of these people. After all, that's where I came from, and that's where many of you lunatics are listening to me from. But from a farmer's perspective, sheep are a little different. It'd be easy enough to say they're dumb and defenseless, but there's more nuance to it than that. If I had to boil humans are like sheep down to three distinct comparisons, here's what I'd say. Sheep are vulnerable, Sheep are wayward, and sheep need a mentor. Now, there's nuance to all these, and I don't want to go into soliloquy or anything, so I'll try to boil everything down to the bare essentials. Let's tackle vulnerability first. Let's face it, sheep are fluffballs. They're about as scary as a wet mound of cotton. They have no claws, talons, ferocity, or even weight. Beyond wondering where their next bite of grass is going to come from, the second most common thought of a sheep is, am I safe? If anything happens outside of the ordinary, a sheep's first instinct is flight. They'll run for the hills. Fear of humans is one of the first things a ewe will teach her lamb. 
We protect our sheep with two guardian dogs and one guardian donkey. Around dusk is when the coyotes start signaling each other to plan their attack, and our guardian animals go absolutely nuts. Our donkey starts hee-hawing, which is basically a call for the sheep to circle the wagons. And these sheep stream in from every direction. They're crashing the boards until they're tightly packed around the donkey. One of our dogs will start circling the sheep, and the other will run towards the howling to disrupt the attack. They'll be barking madly the entire time. And if we didn't have this set up, I mean, our sheep would be goners. Uh, They wouldn't stand a chance. So beyond being beautiful to watch, there's an important lesson in there for us. We humans, too, are vulnerable. But unlike sheep, we tend to think that we're invincible. Like there's no problem too big for us to solve. That's a fine theory, but we get into trouble when we opt for solving these problems alone. Secondly, waywardness. Sheep Sheep like to wander. A lot of people online like to say that sheep are dumb, but a blanket assessment of dumb is just not entirely true. There's a parable in the Bible called The Shepherd and the Lost Sheep, and in it a shepherd has to go rescue one sheep that has strayed from the other 99. The analogy between the individual and the society at large is pretty clear. Now, as long as a sheep is with the rest of the flock, sheep are actually pretty smart. Like, they're pretty intelligent. They can find food, they can find water, they're clean. I wouldn't call sheep in a group stupid by any stretch of the imagination. But I have been the unfortunate witness to many sheep escapes. Sheep aren't very curious unless they're hungry. And even when they're well-fed, sometimes one sheep does separate itself from the herd. It happens by slow degrees. So here's the kind of their thought processes. Like there's green grass here, and oh, there's green grass over here, and then here's some really green grass over here, and all I have to do is duck under this pointy wire, and then I get this grass all to myself. And as you can see, without ever being aware they're escaping, this one sheep is now on the opposite side of the barbed wire from the flock. Then I, the shepherd, come along and have to try to get them back through. They've probably been wandering from quite some time now and could be far, far away from the initial side of the infraction. So yes, sheep are wayward. But here's the nuance. It's actually not hard to find lost sheep. I mean, we have hair sheep and they leave a trail of hair everywhere they go. I mean, finding the spot they escaped is as easy as walking along the fence looking for shreds of hair. Finding them is actually really easy. Getting them back to the right place is hard. It's not difficult for sheep to get lost by a succession of small degrees, but they don't know how to undo those steps. I think it's the same for humans when it comes to addictions. Think of alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. I mean, people don't usually take a plunge straight into the deep end. They dip their toes into the shallow end first. And the high comes quickly at first, but pretty soon they have to move into deeper waters to experience the same thing. Addicts relapse at such a high rate because climbing out is a whole lot harder than climbing in. They know they're in deep water, but they've forgotten how to swim back. Just like sheep. Lastly, sheep need a mentor. It's true, yes, that sheep are simple-minded. That's one of their greatest strengths. If they're safe, they want nothing better to eat grass all day long and lounge in the edge of the forest. They move as a flock and bed down at night together. Sheep are actually the best moms I've ever seen. An adult you will put an adult cow to shame any day when it comes to mothering instincts. 
it's kind of a toss-up as to what kind of quality a mother cow will be. Sometimes they'll just leave their calf for hours to eat food for themselves. Ewes have their lambs by their side 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. They are inseparable, usually. Sometimes in the chaos of the flock moving, some lambs will get separated from their moms. This is a thousand plus sheep we're talking about, and if you've ever tried to leave a sports stadium after the final period of play, you know how hard it is to stick together in a crowd. Occasionally, after I move the flock, there are a group of lambs who didn't quite catch the memo in time. Trying to get a group of lambs without any used guide is the single most frustrating job in all of farming. Lambs are clueless. It's even worse when there's more than one of them. Sound familiar? Teenagers? College students? I can't even tell you all the painfully stupid advice I heard in high school and college coming from fellow students. Sheep need a mentor. On our farm, this happens to be their mom. But having any adult nearby is enough to provide a little direction in a stressful time. In our culture, we've lost the ability to respect our elders. It used to be that village elders were the most respected members of society. Now, we put our village elders in nursing homes and visit them once a year for Christmas. You know, our grandparents are usually living examples of frugality and thriftiness. Our grandparents never bought on credit and tried to live within their means. Now America has racked up over $22 trillion in national debt with no end in sight. I mean, it's like we're a bunch of lambs. So there you have it. It's my attempt at anthropomorphism. Sheep are vulnerable, wayward, and they need a mentor. As humans, I think we'd better pay close attention to our four-legged friends. They offer us a glimpse into ourselves, a peek behind the curtain. We could continue to think we're different as humans. We could pretend like nature's rules don't apply for us. We could pridefully assume that we're invincible, self-reliant, and on the right track. We could. Or we could accept that we're vulnerable. We could accept that we need wise counsel. We could accept that we easily get off the right track. I think that's the better call. Honestly, if both Democrats and Republicans did this, I think we'd find a lot more in common than we thought we had before. Lunatics of the greater podcast world unite. It's official. The Patreon page for this podcast is up and running. Check for a link in the episode description. Right now, the show is still teeny tiny. Just me in a dark basement in the wee hours of the morning. I need your financial support to keep producing this. If this show means anything to you, if you find some value in it, please consider donating. Maybe you've been enjoying this show since the beginning when I personally told you about it. Maybe you just randomly tripped across the internet and fell face first into it. Maybe you were just spotted by your mom at McDonald's where she ripped the burger out of your mouth, handcuffed you, put you in the backseat of the minivan, and drove at perilously high speeds down the highway, all while blasting this podcast so loud you couldn't tell if I was talking or a banshee was screaming. However you came to find this podcast, your support, any support, would be greatly appreciated. If you have any questions or thoughts about this episode, or want to sponsor a future one, follow me on Twitter at MissouriAustin or shoot me an email to austin at letthemeetgrass.org. I might even include your question, along with my answer, at the end of my next episode. If you live in the Missouri area and want to take the next step in radically protecting the health of you and your family, you can buy some of our pasture-raised food at my friend David's website, 
fedfromthefarm.com. That's F-E-D, fedfromthefarm.com. And use the offer code PDCST, like podcast without the vowels, for $10 off your next order. I am shamelessly promoting this, but since I manage this farm and personally take care of the animals, this is the only operation I can wholeheartedly endorse. If you really enjoyed this podcast, subscribe or download it on whatever podcast directory you use. If you're using iTunes and are feeling mighty generous with the next five minutes of your life, please rate it and leave a review. The more reviews I get, the better my chances of being featured in a spotlight. And as self-serving as that sounds, the more attention this podcast gets means that I get to improve the production quality for you. Production assistance was provided by the kissable Kelly Williams. That's my wife. Music was performed by the bodacious Brandon Nelson. If you like Scandinavian folk music, you can find his album Old Yarns by Eloin, that's E-L-O-I-G-N, at Bandcamp. Cover art was drawn by the radical Rebecca Rabin. Fact-checking was done by the daring David Boatwright, and sound engineering was done by the jubilant Jeffrey Hook. If you want any of these marvelous people to help you with your projects, just let me know. That's all I have for now. Stay with me, won't you?